here at the U.S. Amateur. Talk a little bit about having uh, Paul Clancy on the bag, what it's meant to you in getting you to um, be yourself on the golf course. Oh, he gets it on the green. Landed on the green. That is Thank some you. speed. Take that. Thank you. And Austin Squires, the 64 seed, a two-up win. And welcome back to the Pro-Am Podcast. My name is Paul Clancy, and I am joined by my good buddy and co-host, Austin Squires. Austin, how we doing? I'm doing great, Paul. Um, back in the U.S., which is a lot of fun. Uh, spent two weeks in Argentina, which was, um, you know, a really good experience and a lot of fun and got to play some good golf, but um, definitely glad to be back uh, in the States with my wife and, uh, yeah, just having a great time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely want to touch on that. Um, happy to see you have a couple of good weeks over there, um, uh, down there in South America and, uh, the U S is happy to have you back. And, uh, and just wanted to touch a little bit on, on how, uh, how those two weeks went. I know getting back into the, uh, the process there back on a uh, PGA tour, uh, on the, uh, the Latin tour down there that it was, uh, something that you were looking forward to. So uh, I don't know if you wanted to to touch a little bit on that before we get into, and I know that uh, as this will probably be the the name of the the uh, episode is going to be Masters Week or it's Masters Masters Monday as we record this. So don't don't worry, we will definitely get into uh, into the Masters uh, in in some some pretty good depth there coming up. But I do want to touch uh, and have you just kind of tell us a little bit about your experiences the last two weeks. Yeah. So, um, first week was in Termas and then, um, Termas de Rio Ando, Argentina. Um, and then the second week was in Buenos Aires and, um, yeah, Termas stands for hot springs. I guess it doesn't stand for it's translated into hot springs, um, in Spanish. So that week was a, um, a hot week for sure. Uh, each day was upwards of 95. And so it was a, it was a grind out there and, um, but yeah, it was my first time in the Southern hemisphere. So definitely a, a big learning curve. Um, and, uh, but it, it was great overall at the first event, uh, I was in contention to win and, uh, finished fifth t-, t five, um, after four rounds, finishing up, um, 17 under and, the two guys that went into the playoff were, 19 under. So I was right there and come down the stretch. I had stretch. I had a putt on the last three holes for birdie. I even had a putt for Eagle on the last. So definitely had plenty of chances down the stretch, but didn't, uh, didn't quite get it done, which is, um, you know, when I, when I finished, it kind of stung a little bit, but, um, looking back, it was a great week. It was my first top five in a PGA tour sanctioned event and, um, definitely a good learning experience on, um, you know, being in contention in a, in a bigger tournament where, you know, you gotta, you can't just coast in and you gotta keep on going. Um, but yeah. And then the next week in Buenos Aires, uh, had a solid week, not quite as many fireworks, but just, you know, a solid week, um, finished five under, um, shot under par every round, except for the final round shot even, um, but finished 22nd in that one. So making some points, um, yeah, because I've, I've only been able to play in two of the 
six events we've had in the season this far because uh, the first three events in December I missed because of uh, the wedding and honeymoon and did not want to travel to Chile from Hawaii after um, not playing golf for four weeks. I felt that was not the best decision uh, for me mentally or physically or for my golf or financially too. Um, so yeah, I played those first two events in Argentina and then opted to not go to Brazil, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but what kind of sent me over the edge was I was having some problems with my, um, hip, which I've, you know, been dealing with since 2019. And it was, um, you know, something that was just kind of avoidable, but I just didn't think about it. Um, because the week in Termos was so hot that it took a toll on my body. And each day after the round, I was just kind of, you know, finishing and exhausted. So I just go lay down rather than going through, uh, a recovery routine and, you know, um, kind of get in the gym, foam rolling, doing all the things to take care of my body after the round, um, which I was totally fine in Termos while I was hot and everything, but then went to Buenos and just kind of, you know, had to gut it out. Um, wasn't feeling great and, you know, figured, uh, I made enough points the last, um, two events where, you know, it made, made my decision a little easier. You know, if I missed a couple of cuts, it would have, I might, might've, you know, tried a little harder to go to Brazil. Um, but I just felt for, for me and, um, you know, my career, I felt like it was a good decision to just not, you know, push it too hard. Um, so yeah, it was kind of unfortunate, but overall it was a good couple of weeks. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, uh, can see, see what, uh, what's going on, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes a little and, and what it takes. It's not just a, a thing of just showing up and, and playing good golf. There's a lot of other things that go into it. Um, before we touch on some of the other things that, you know, can obviously go into it, like travel and, and everything. Um, I, I did just want to ask, I know that, uh, you touched a little bit on, on how different it was to be in, in, uh, contention, um, on the weekend and even on the, the, the back nine holes of, of Sunday. Um, you know, in a PGA Tour sanctioned event um, where it's, uh, you know, different than than um, mini tour events or anything like that, that uh, just if you could just talk through a little bit about what made it feel different. Uh, I know that you said that you can't really coast in and that makes total sense. But did you find, um, you know, maybe that it was a little bit more of a physical thing, like you just really felt like you needed to make birdies to get to that certain number just because of the quality of player that you're going up against or, or more of kind of like a mental thing of just trying to almost keep it simple or just if, if it was more of a mindset thing or, or an actually going out and hitting the shots and making the putts that, that you found to be most different or if it was a combination of both. Yeah, I'd say it was definitely um, more of a mental thing um, because honestly, I, I hit the best, maybe I've ever hit it in a, and for four straight rounds, um, you know, I didn't have my lowest rounds, but as far as a full complete tournament and the amount of shots that, um, amount of quality shots I hit. Cause I, I think I, um, I believe I gained 19 shots on the field. Um, I, after doing my strokes gained, um, stats, I, I gained 19 strokes on the field, I believe in, um, T to green. Um, I believe it was like nine shots off the tee and then 10 in, in the approaches into the green. So um, 
it was definitely a, a, a week. really solid week. Yeah, and I uh, I lost two strokes uh, to the field putting, so that was kind of a, a frustrating um, thing to see after you know finishing the week two back of the leaders, and I lost two strokes on the greens. But um, at the same time, you know, in South America, the postponed greens we weren't always getting the best bounces, so it was just kind of like a a mental thing as well because I hit I was not putting bad as well at all. I was putting great and just didn't always. Um, the butts putts didn't always go in. Um, I was just giving myself plenty of opportunities. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a mental thing because that last round I was five under through ten, and I started the day. I started the day uh, four back because I was at thirteen and the leaders were at seventeen, and I was five through ten. And I honestly didn't. I didn't know where the leaders were at. I wasn't expecting anybody to go super deep because you know, it's just hard to do. Um, but I wasn't also wasn't thinking that I was, you know, in the lead, but I figured out after, um, some TV guys at the local, local channels came up to me and were asking me about my score and stuff that I was, when I was at 18 under, uh, after 10 holes, I think I was tied for the lead. Um, but then I bogeyed 11 and 12 and then birdied 13. Um, and so, yeah, those last, five holes or so um i knew i needed to make birdies and i did a lot of really good things and um felt like t to green i was really disciplined with just letting whatever happened happen but then you know getting on the green inside it's hard when you're coming down the stretch to not just be like okay i need to make this um and so i hit i hit a lot of good putts um you know 16 i hit a, a good putt and it didn't go in 17 i just left it a little short and then 18 i was you know a hundred, a hundred feet away from the hole for Eagle and maybe one of the hardest putts I've ever had and ended up three putting. So, um, even that second putt, I hit a, probably one of the best putts of the week and I had a, a putter raise and it lipped out. So, um, just one of those things where, you know, I would definitely say it is mental and, but at the same time, I feel like I did a lot of really good things mentally and it just, they didn't really fall my, my way, yeah. which is unfortunate, but was good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, where I kind of, you know, thought it could have been a combination of both because at, at the same time of everything that you said is, is one week, you know, you could go through the same mental space, same capacity and those two putts drop, um, you know, on, on 16 and 18 and, and there you are going to a playoff. Um, it, that's, that's just the, the, the side of golf that, uh, it's, you know, the, the putts probably dropped for the guys that were in the playoff and, uh, it's just one or two putts, like you said, just losing even two strokes to the field on, um, uh, on the greens there, uh, can make quite the difference. And you did mention something too, that I thought was, uh, was interesting. And, uh, if you could touch on it, I'd I'd be interested too, is I know, and obviously it's a little bit less at it, less in your control when the TV guys kind of come up and, and spoil the surprise for you. Um, but is, um, especially after just going through, um, that situation and again, putting up a strong finish and giving yourself a chance, even on the last hole, um, you know, so I don't think that it probably changed things too, too drastically or anything, but, um, just in the future, is there, is there maybe a part of you that, that learned one way or another from this experience, whether you'd like to see a scoreboard on the back nine, when you feel like you're, you're in a position or whether you just want to kind of stick to your process and, and go ahead and find out where you are 
Um, you know, and, unless it comes down to needing to make an eagle on 18 or something, which obviously you play it a little bit different. But, um, you know, I know that they talk about that on TV all the time there where guys are, are either, um, you know, wanting to see the scoreboard or they're just wanting to stick to their process and their game plan. So just after that scenario that you talked through and even in the past, um, you know, for you uh, in, in your AM and professional events, didn't know if you were more of a wanted to know exactly where you stood or, or someone that, uh, that just kind of wants to let the chips fall as they may. And you go out with your best shot. Yeah. I think I've kind of evolved and figure out what's, what's good for me. And I think I like to know in the last like three to five holes, what I have, like what I have to do. Um, just because, you know, that can, that can change, you know, how I approach those holes. Like I, I I'd be more, more upset if, you know, I didn't know how I was doing and I played like I'd been playing the 17th hole or 18th hole really conservatively all week. And I'm just, I continue doing that. Um, and, you know, I make a par or something and it affects the outcome where I would, I would way so much rather know exactly what I have to do and then not execute. Um, that would, you know, even though that would suck, I would feel way better about that finish and, um, you know, knowing that I just didn't execute a shot and didn't perform rather than, oh, I did what I was trying to, but I lost. I didn't have all the information. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, we compete this, we compete at this game and, you know, you got to accept, you know, if you don't, if you don't perform, you don't perform. And so, um, everything I can do is, you know, strategy and, and making decisions, um, and then trying to execute that. So, I like knowing down the stretch. Um, I don't really care like first, you know, 68 holes or whatever of a tournament. Like I'm, I'm going to play the holes the same. And then those last three, especially if I'm in contention, then um, yeah, I like to know. Cause then if, if I have to birdie the last three to win a golf tournament, I'm going to try to birdie those last three. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be like, Oh, I, if I par these last three, I finished third, like third's pretty good. You know, I'd rather make a bogey in the last three holes. You know, I would just, you know, rather try and win. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, uh, definitely a cool, cool insight into it and, and makes complete sense. Um, and I know too, you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, just the process of going three weeks kind of on a grind there and, really stiff competition and, and, uh, going, um, from different place to different place, especially in, uh, in a place that's, that's not your home country. Um, you know, kind of hopping, uh, different, uh, different countries and everything there. So tell us a little bit about the travel. Um, and I, I know that you mentioned too, you know, just about, but like I was saying that the grind. So if there was anything, you know, obviously that you learned, um, you know, I know that you touched on a little bit with maybe wanting to recover a little bit, um, more, but obviously that the heat and the extraneous circumstances there, but if it was more of a learning experience or just something that, you know, just kind of happened the way it did because of the circumstances that you were given. Yeah, I'd say is probably one of the most wild experiences of my life, just because it was so different than what I'm used to. Um, but it honestly going into it, I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. Um, because the travel day from where I'm at in Orlando to, um, uh, excuse me, to Termas is, is pretty wild. So I started my travel on the Sunday prior to the tournament 
Ubered to the uh, airport around two o'clock for a five o'clock, five thirty flight. Um, and so went from my, or from, from Orlando to Miami, took a red eye from Miami to Buenos Aires, landed the next morning. And then because Termas, you had to take a domestic flight, the, the international airport did not fly to Termas that day. And so I had to find a taxi, taxi to the airport on the other side of Buenos Aires, catch my flight from Buenos Aires to Santiago del Estero, which is uh, the bigger city around there, and then t- find a taxi there to take to uh, Termas. But the kicker was I was flying American, and our 550 flight, um, you know, you know, 30-minute flight or whatever to, to Miami, was delayed two hours. And so um, I was supposed to be on an 8 o'clock flight and um, did not get on that 8 o'clock flight. Luckily, they had one more flight at 11 p.m., um, which some of my – I don't know how, but they just randomly put me on that flight where some of my buddies were on standby and flew to Miami, weren't even sure if they were going to get there. Um, so we ended up landing at 10 a.m. the next morning rather than rather than 6 a.m. or whatever time we were supposed to land. And the airport was an hour away, and I had a flight at um, 12.50. And so we're landing – we're landing in Buenos Aires, you know, still have to go through customs, get our bags and everything. And we're landed two hours and 50 minutes before our flight. So, I mean, praise God that we got our bags and went through customs in less than 30 minutes. Cause that does not happen when you're traveling internationally usually. And so we, we get a, um, a taxi over to the other airport and it, we zoom there and get there in like 45 minutes. And so we get there at like, 11:30 for our 12:50 flight and now we're flying domestic. So all of the signs are in Spanish and no English. So like international airports they have Spanish and English right underneath. But this was a domestic airport so it's only Spanish. So we were trying to figure out where to go, all these things to do and there's no English anywhere. And so essentially they had this thing where you you put your bags down and then you go to another kiosk and pay for your bags. And we, we sat in the line to pay for our bags for 30 minutes before we ended up going to some lady that worked there and was like, Hey, our flight takes off in like 30 minutes or whatever. Like, can we move up? And so we ended up going up there and we get through security. Like as soon as we're boarding, like we have to get right on the plane. It was, it, it was a miracle that we made it to be honest, but um, yeah, that travel day is crazy. Cause I start, I guess I started my travels at one or two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday and got there at like 5 PM on, on Monday. So it's just a full 26 hours or whatever of travel. And so it was just wild. But then the other thing is their exchange rate is crazy. Um, it's, it's one to 400. So if you have $1, you get a, you that's 400 pesos in, um, in Argentine pesos, but that's, that's the blue rate. So if you look online, it says 200 to one, and that's what you get with credit cards. But if you exchange your cash anywhere else in, uh, down there at like a Western union or something, they'll give you 401. So it's kind of crazy and like, I guess corrupt a little bit, but, um, so everyone just brings a bunch of cash down there and you pay for everything in cash. And it was great because, you know, 
we went to an Italian restaurant and I got a bolognese ravioli and a, a bottle of wine and it cost me 12 bucks. And so it was, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was definitely one of the craziest experiences ever I've been a part of. <laughs> very, very cool. Well, uh, definitely, um, uh, excited for, uh, for you for, for that trip. And, uh, I'm sure, you know, cool learning experience and, uh, just, uh, again, cool to just go out there and compete, um, against fields of that quality and, and have some success. And I know that there's, um, there's plenty, uh, plenty of events left for you there. So, uh, so I know that, uh, looking forward to that and, um, and gaining some more points there, but, um, but yeah, uh, I think if you're ready, I'm ready to kind of move on, um, a little bit, um, to the, uh, uh, the regular PGA tour, the big boys, um, a little bit. And again, most of this is going to be masters preview and everything, but, um, especially with, uh, just some of the events that we, that we have missed in between our episodes here, N- not all of them, the biggest. So I just kind of wanted to touch a little bit on, cause I watched a lot of the, uh, the match play, um, a couple weeks ago. And I thought that that was a really, really good test and kind of a really, I think I learned a lot, um, for, guys who I was maybe looking at, um, you know, coming into, uh, to Augusta. Um, I know that we, um, were talking back and forth a little bit about, about that event. And, and, um, I, I had a couple things I wanted to touch on. I think going into Augusta, uh, the biggest thing I was excited about is seeing Rory with that blade and seeing him make some putts <laughs> and make some putts that had business going in. Like he didn't just have a hot day where he was just making 30 footers and, you know, he could have those days with, you know, a spider or whatever he's, he's using. But I mean, he was making clutch putts his putts that, that weren't going in. They were good putts. Um, so I think I was really excited because I mean, he's, he's obviously almost always going to hit it just as good as anyone in the world. So I actually think that, um, you know, having a putter that may have a little bit more touch and finesse to it, um, around the greens at a place like Augusta could, uh, could hopefully be the difference. And, uh, I, I, I do, I, I know that, um, he had in 2018 when he was going back and forth with, uh, Patrick Reed, he missed that shorty for Eagle on two and things kind of weren't the same. So I'm kind of just hoping that this, uh, this blade putter stays pretty solid inside of, uh, five and five and 10 feet. But, um, but I definitely, uh, definitely am looking forward to, to his chances. I think that this certainly, certainly, uh, in my eyes, can help it a little bit. Um, so I don't know if you had any thoughts on Rory and the new putter in particular. And just as a gearhead, I mean, the thing is sick. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous Scotty. Uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Then I had, uh, I had one or two more thoughts uh, from match play that I can get to after. Yeah, I think. Um his putter is special. Um, it's kind of interesting when I see you guys go to putters like that. Cause you know, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of those and I feel like I go to those when they strike my eye and then I don't end up usually, I putt good for like a day or two. Um, and then kind of go back to the scientific part and like what actually fits me, but I'm, I'm sure uh, the putter he's using fits him perfectly fine it's just really cool as well um but yeah i think one of the coolest things i heard about um that putter is he tested it at augusta a couple weeks and like maybe a week before um the match play and 
Um, I think he just played 18 holes and had 19 putts in that round. And I was just like, that, that, I don't care what, where the pins are, that doesn't happen in Augusta. So, uh, I think that was proven a little bit at the, uh, match play because, um, just seeing a lot of the, I mean, he, he, uh, finished third. Um, so he played well and it seemed like he was making a lot of putts. I didn't get to watch a ton of the matches because, again, I was in Argentina. So, uh, YouTube TV wouldn't let me wouldn't let me watch down there, but I got to watch on replay and, um, yeah, I mean, it looked like he was peering it, but also making some putts, which is good to see. It looked like he was actually, you know, making the putts he should and not just hitting it perfect and two putting for Bernie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, and, and he's always going to be the biggest, not the biggest, but uh, a top three story, um, until he wins it and completes, um, his career grand slam. But, uh, you know, so it's, and, and every year I'll talk myself into it. Um, but, uh, but also, um, another thing kind of going while we're on the Rory train is, uh, is the weather, um, can be some crazy weather, uh, down at Augusta this week where it's going to be like 90 degrees on Wednesday and sunny and then 87 and thunderstorms. And with that, that's going to bring in the cold and it's going to, uh, I think, I think be a, be a pretty wet, uh, masters where it's, it's going to be raining probably all four days, Thursday through Sunday. And, and we know Rory's uh, track record at, um, in majors that are a little bit more moist and, uh, and he can just kind of, kind of go at some pins and, and just hit it high and, and, and have it stop where he wants to. So I, I think that's another thing to get excited about too. But, uh, just, you know, when it's, when it's going to be a, a rain fest and a major, it, his name's always up there. And especially at a place like Augusta where he's had so many close calls, but, um, but yeah, the, the other thing, um, that, that I gained from, uh, from match play was, and, uh, I, I don't want to ever say that I was a Scotty Scheffler hater, but I was certainly not on the, I love Scotty. Um, uh, definitely not on the, like the, I love Scotty train and like, this is so cool. And he's just so cool. Cause he's so nice, but I, I turned on him and, and I've become a fan. Um, I always did say that he was maybe a little bit boring, but, um, but I, I, you're making, you're making my wife I, so proud because I have, yeah. And that's, you know, it takes a big man to, to admit, um, you know, that, that they're able to change their mind and their opinion on something. And I am that big man, but, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I always respected him as a heck of a player and, and a really good guy, but I just always, he always kind of bored me to tears, but he did have a couple of cool scenarios that, that really turned me and I'm really, you know, now when I see him up there dominating and probably winning this week at Augusta by five shots, just in the most boring way possible on Sunday, I'll be like, okay, this guy deserves it. And, and this is, uh, you know, this is just one of the greats just being great and should really just appreciate that no matter if he's, if he's not the most exciting personality, but, um, but he did have a couple things that I thought was really cool that turned me on him. Um, one of them was he was in uh, his, uh, elimination round match against, JT Poston and, um, JT was giving them all he could handle. And then they were on 18. Uh, I think Scotty made whatever he made a three or four on 18 at, at, um, at Austin country club, that short par four. And, uh, JT had like four feet to, to force it to an extra hole, um, to, to just keep it going. And, um, and, you know, JT's one of the, the better putters. Um, Poston is one of the better putters on tour. And, uh, they kind of zoomed out and showed Scotty standing on the edge of the green, just kind of to see his reaction to the putt. 
And, um, and Scotty just kind of turned around to a rules official and just kind of silently kind of shrugged his shoulders and pointed a couple different directions and then gave a thumbs up. And because he was asking about where the playoff hole, what the playoff hole was going to be, just a little thing. But I just thought that was really cool to have the number one player in the world, you know, against a, a guy that's a PGA Tour grinder and just, you know, hasn't necessarily had the success. Um, you know, that, that some of these big names had and, and just have Scotty just out there just completely respecting him, expecting him to make it and, and saying, you know, this is essentially going to go in and I'm ready to, to go and try to beat him again uh, on a playoff hole. He ended up missing it, but, uh, but I thought that it was just a really cool gesture by Scotty. And uh, the other one was, let me think about who it was against. It was against Jason Day. Um, I think it was the next match or the one after that. And Jason Day hits one left, um, left on a par four on the front nine, uh, into the hazard and uh, off the tee, tee shot. And, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, it was pretty, pretty left and not one that you can go find. Um, so then Jason's getting ready to kind of re tee and, uh, and, you know, just go from there, probably see if he can scrap out a bogey or something and, and make Scotty you know, perform a little bit, um, make him beat him. But uh, he was getting ready to re-tee, and then Scotty was kind of talking over to his caddy and then just kind of almost, you know, stepped up to Jason and said, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing? You know, you don't need to re-tee. Me and my, me and my caddy saw it, saw it cross up there by the bunker, you know, and Jason was like, well, I didn't see that. So, you know, if I was just going to re-tee because I wasn't sure, um, you know, because I didn't have definitive – uh, you know, kind of evidence to know where it crossed. And Scotty said, well, I mean, we saw it cross up there. So we feel really good about you going up and dropping up there. Just another really, really cool thing. Um, uh, a sportsman in, uh, in that kind of setting with that kind of money on the line and, and just to, uh, to see him, see him do that. It, it, it turned me from a, this guy's boring to this guy's just, a, it's a good guy. He's, you know, he's not as fiery as Rory or Sergio Garcia or Tiger, but but he's, he's a darn good guy and a darn good player. But um, I know that you've always always been a Scotty guy, and, and obviously we're going to like his chances this week. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if you have anything on, on Scotty or, or what to expect from him coming into this week or, or anything like that. Scotty's that dog where, you know, he's, he's not going to try and get any, any unfair leg up over, over anyone. And, you know, he's just going to – he's going to play his best and he's going to – try and win. Um, and so, yeah, when he did that, uh, JT posts and I think, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to win off a, off a miss putt, um, miss four footer like that. And so he wanted to just, you know, go into extras and, and beat him straight up. Um, and yeah, same with the, the Jason day thing. I think that's really cool because, you know, he was, um, he was, you know, showing Jason that like, you know, he's there to play fair. And so that was just really cool to see. But no, I think, I think Scotty's going to play well. Um, you know, I, I think everyone's done, um, counting against him. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's going to play well for sure. But, um, but yeah, just touching back on the, uh, the match play and, um, Scotty, you know, finishing or losing that consolation match to Rory. Um, just want to touch, on um, the Sam Burns and, and Cameron Young match. I thought it was kind of cool how um, both underdogs, uh, I mean, we call them underdogs, Sam Burns just entered the 
the top 10 and I think Cam Young's like 15th or something like that. So they're not underdogs, but um, you know, they're going up against Rory and Scotty. So anybody is going to be an underdog to those two. Um, but they both won their, their matches to get into the final. And then uh, I mean, Sam Burns, like once, once he got past those first five holes or something like that, he just put on a clinic. Um, yeah. He got off to a, a slow start. I think he was one or two down to Cameron Young, those first couple holes, um, but then won like six and five. And I know Cam Young didn't have his best stuff, but um, yeah, Sam just really, really turned it on. It seemed like his wedges were were really rolling and he was making a lot of putts and, you know, looked like a force to be Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, cool to see too, um, you know, from a guy like you alluded to, both of them very, very top-notch players. Um, but, but Sam struggled a little bit um, the beginning of this year. Um, with, uh, with some of his finishes, I know not being, um, up to par with, with what he really wants. So, um, definitely cool. Uh, and I, I will shout out, uh, Dorch on this one because he is, uh, Sam is his guy. Um, so, so he's always stuck with him. I would always give him crap about, about saying, you know, uh, that, that he's, he's lost it or he's lost in the weeds, but, uh, but he definitely, he shut me up and I mean, I, you know, don't root against the guy besides the fact that that Dorch likes him. But, uh, but other than that, yeah, I think um, really cool to see him kind of gain that confidence back. And that's what this match play event can be for someone like that, who is a quality, quality player, but is in a little bit of a struggle. It can be a reset, um, you know, where you go out, you just have to beat the guy in front of you. Um, and I know that, that, you know, you, you know, have had success in match play too. Probably it's just a completely different mindset and can, can definitely give you kind of the jump start that you need to um, a season that, that has not gone the way that he had wanted to up until uh, that, that week there. Um, but, but yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Sam parlays that over into, uh, into the masters, you know, uh, the first major, another obvious stroke play event. Um, you know, where he struggled a little bit um, this year in, in that kind of normal format. But but I could see a guy like uh, like Cam Young going out there and, and really, um, you know, putting on a show, putting himself into contention too because, I mean, again, we talked with the weather, with, with how, how wet it is. I mean, he's a guy that hits the ball high. He can get it to stop wherever he wants. So if, if he's on um, from tee to green, uh, you know, has a couple putts go in, then uh, I definitely think that, that he's a guy that we could definitely see up there um, come, come the weekend, come Sunday, uh, on that back nine, but yeah, definitely, um, uh, some, some other people to keep an eye out for. Uh, I don't know if you've got, you've got your picks. Uh, I've probably, I mean, I could name 10 or 15 guys that we should really look out for, but I've got a handful, uh, handful of guys that I've got my eye on. So, uh, I don't know if you do, or you want me to go first or, or whatever you'd like. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, because I feel like um, if I don't go now, I'll just be riding your coat. Oh, well, I, I, um, let's, I'll go first then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but, yeah, you were talking about Rory or, earlier in the pod. And, um, yeah, I think <laughs> he's, he's my pick. Um, I really think that this is Rory's year, um, part 20. Um, no, I think – it's just everything seems like it's it's trending towards Rory. Um, you know, the putter switch, he played really well in Bay Hill, didn't quite get it done. Played really well at match play, didn't quite get it done. 
played really well here last year. I mean, what he finished? He finished. Did he finish second last year? I know. I know he had the the lowest round and the best finish of his career at the Masters last year. Um, I can't remember if he finished. Uh, I'm looking second, it up but real quick while you're talking. Either way, about that. Uh, I think he may have backed into a. But a yeah, second, either way, I'm just double checking. Yeah, because I know he he him and Colin both hold out on on eighteen yeah, last he year. Confirmed, to, um, got second second last year, and T five and twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's definitely trending um, at the Masters, and I think he's getting more comfortable and kind of getting over that that mental hump there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just I feel like there's no reason that he is not your champion this year, other than the fact that you know, 2010 he had to collapse and he's never won, and it's the last major he needs to get. Um, so I think. You know, physically and statistically, this is Rory's tournament to to lose. And, um, yeah, it's just whether or not he, he gets it done in the mind. Um, but yeah, if I didn't have to pick Rory, I mean, it's hard not to go with Scheffler. I mean, I feel like we're creating a theme on this pod. Um, but, I mean, I feel like those are the two players you really got to really got to watch out for. I mean, first two rounds, uh, I don't think Charlie Hoffman's playing this year, so he's not going to be <laughs> leading. Um, but I, I think Corey Connors might take his spot uh, winning the Valero this week. I feel like he's he's one of those guys that's going to be leading the first or second round every year uh, and kind of take over that podium spot from, from Charlie Hoffman. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I'm so, so cliche and uh, boring by saying Rory and Scott. Not yet. But I feel like it's just—I mean, it's like it's the major. Um, you know, it's played at the same place every year, so you're going to get guys that have a great track record here, and you're going to get guys that have a not so great track record here that uh, that make it hard to pick them and easy to pick the others. And that, you know, I mean, I think every year a lot of my Masters picks are, you know, obviously based off of recent play, but more historical results because. Uh, you know, a lot of things change when, when you, you walk through the gates, um, at Augusta and guys' mindsets change. Um, and just with, with my picks there, I mean, Scotty, uh, Spieth, I mean, I, I, I am getting ready to strap in for that roller coaster ride that is undoubtedly going to be Spieth Big when Spieth it's guy. wet out at Augusta and he's going to be in some spot that the cameras didn't even know that was in bounds and he'd find it and he'd, something's going to go nuts it up and down but uh but another thing with speed is um is he has won the last two years on easter sunday uh in 2021 at the valero texas open and last year at the rbc heritage and this master sunday is easter so it could be one of those things where where, where speed rises um a little bit and uh and can definitely um can definitely show us again why why he looked like a guy who was going to win every year at Augusta for the next 10 years. Um, you know, he's obviously, he's got his win and he's got uh, close calls and some scar tissue there, but, uh, he definitely, I mean, you know, he's, he's had a lot of tournaments where he's, he's put himself in a good spot. Um, and I feel like, again, if he can, if he can get through those first couple days and be within shouting distance going into the weekend, then, I mean, he's a guy that, that loves that course so much that he can just, he can fill it up and, uh, and can definitely give himself a chance. Um, you know, even if he just hangs around on Sunday within five shots or something going, 
you know, going into Sunday, then I think that he's going to, he's going to always have a chance. Um, but my big one. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And his, his, his game is trending too. He's had a lot of close calls this he year. He has. And that's, it, it's Easter Sunday. He gets that, that he just gets the monkey off his back. He rises and, and he is, he is ready to, uh, to, to take over um, another green jacket. Uh, but, but yeah. And um, uh, my, don't want to say, I mean, it's hard to say like a dark horse for a guy with this much history, but he's another guy that, that has kind of been through the, the career gambit, um, kind of in a speed type of way. Um, Tiger Woods. No, we'll, we'll talk about him, but no, he, no one's been through quite the career gambit that he has, but <laughs> good guess. But, uh, I, I'm actually going with, uh, Jason Day, um, a guy that I referenced a little bit, you know, I, Really? It's really on brand to to pick a guy that the only other mention he's got in this podcast is him hitting it so far in the hazard that he doesn't know if it crossed the red line. But um, but no, he's I mean he he played really well that week um, at uh, at match play. I think his game's been trending in the right direction. I think that um, that putting four rounds together for him right now is the question, um, and and not not putting together four good rounds. I certainly think that he's way more than capable of going out, putting four, to, four good rounds together and getting the 15th this week. Um, but, but I think he's going to have a chance to win. I mean, he's got, I'm just looking now, he's got three career top fives um, at Augusta with his last one being in 2019. Um, he did miss the cut in 2020 and 2021, but, uh, but he's, he's got that track record. He's got another top 10 in 2016. He was a guy that about 10 years ago, I mean, he, 2011, he finished tied for second. 2013, he finished third. He was a guy that that was it was bound to happen. And then he obviously went through his his issues with his injuries and, and his, his swing and everything. But um, I think he's finally getting it a little bit back, um, where he's he's kind of getting back to the Jason Day that he was. He's never ever going to be kind of like Spieth. Never ever going to be back to the player that, that they once were because the, the clip that they were, that they were winning at was just, um, unbelievable. But, but I think that, uh, I think that just with track record, um, age and experience, if his body can hold up, um, and his, you know, and everything can hold up, um, this week, then I, I really like Jason Day's chances. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, that's kind of my, my dark horse, you know, again, I, I feel bad picking a former number one player in the world as a dark horse, but um, after what he's been through and where he's at, I, I feel feel pretty good about it. I Again, I don't know if he's going to be able to put the four rounds together, but I feel I feel fairly confident that on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be kind of liking where I sit. Could blow up in my face, but that's why it's a dark horse. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, just like I said, um, that Jordan's been trending. Jason's been trending as well. I mean, he played well at, at Bay Hill. Um, both him and, and Jordan um, play well at Bay Hill. And I feel like, the, um, you know, the guys that play well at Bay Hill usually kind of favor in Augusta as well, just because Bay Hill is kind of like, even though they're very different golf courses, they kind of have, you know, that target feel where, you know, even though Augusta you uses slopes, it's very much like target golf, like hit here, then here. Um, with a little bit of, of creativity and the same, same kind of thing at, at Bay Hill where um, it's more so point eight, point A to point B. Um, but I, I just feel like a lot of the guys that play well at Bay Hill kind of um, transition over into the masters. And it's really cool to see Jason day playing well after he's gone through um, 
the last couple of years of his career. But um, yeah, Jason Day being your dark horse, I think my dark horse is a little more uh, darker as um, you know, he's, he's more on the come up and um, you know, was never number one in the world and has never won on the PGA tour. Um, but is coming strong into the golf world as he's won on the DP world a couple of times and, played really well at um, the players almost winning is Min Woo Lee. I think he's, I think he's going to play really well this week uh, just because he's, I mean, I feel like it's a theme I've been saying the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but his game is trending. Um, You know, he, I'm kind of going back on what I said because he missed the cut at, um, I believe he missed the cut. I can't remember at uh, Bay Hill, but then played super well at the players. Um, and so, you know, he just posted the thing on TikTok last week where he got his his um, his uh, invitation in the mail. Oh, that was he was just goofy, wearing a, a guy, green but, um, Augusta National Golf Club hoodie and sunglasses. That that, that was cool. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I got my invitation. Let's go. No, uh, no cool like Instagram post or something like that. That's all with the frills and everything. It's just <laughs> like a picture of him. With uh, sunglasses on, he's just shaking his head. And he's like, all right, let's ride. Um, but yeah, um, I think he's going to play really well. Um, coming off the heels of last year, tying the record for lowest nine holes at the Masters, shooting 30 on the front nine that final round. Um, just kind of feel like he proved to everyone that he can play on the biggest stages. And I feel like his game is in a much more mature spot than than last year. And um yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think he's going to play really well and I think he, he's going to have a chance to win. But, um, yeah, never getting it done on the PGA Tour. I know he's won the DP World Tour, um, which is very prestigious, but um, PGA Tour and the Masters are, are very different and it's a whole different um, absolutely, a whole different Absolutely. And so. speaking of other tours, um, I did just want to touch, just uh, was watching a little bit of um, uh, live from the Masters coverage today. Saw some of the interviews. Um, uh Thoughts on the live guys um, coming back this week? I, I know that um, you know it's it's still in the very early stages, but it's becoming a little bit more established. Um, they're just getting you know they're on year two now, um, so I um, yeah, saw some of the interviews with with a couple of the guys and, and some of the concerns that I have overall. I think still stick out. Um, I know that the the champions dinner is being very talked about going into this week with with all the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the groups of live guys and, and the PGA tour guys having to sit there and, you know, be respectful in Augusta. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know your thoughts about going in. I, I listened, um, just, I'll just touch briefly on the, the two interviews from, from, uh, live guys that I saw today were, uh, Cam Smith, um, which I love Cam Smith. Uh, I miss him dearly on the PGA tour and just, I just miss being able to really watch him play golf as much as, as much as we used to be able to. Um, but, but he's come in, he's been very, like he kind of always has unapologetically himself, but not necessarily in a ruffling feathers way. He's just, he said multiple times that he made his bed and he's very, very happy with where he is um, right now. Um, you know, when asked different questions about missing the PGA tour or certain events, he said he missed playing certain events, doesn't necessarily, you know, have a rival that he misses playing against that's still on the PGA tour. Um, and he, he also touched a little bit on where his game's at right now, um, which is not up to where he'd like it to be. I know that a big reason 
that he mentioned why he uh, he signed with Liv was the life balance that he could have. Um, you know, where he went uh, in the off season, spent a lot of time in Australia with family and friends, um, where he hadn't been able to do that as much uh, when he was on the PGA Tour, kind of kind of grinded to to make it to where he is now. Um, you know, and he referenced being able to in the off season just kind of be at Ponte Vedra and you know away from family and just all he's got to do is work on his golf game and go fishing. So he's like, that's that's kind of how I got to where I was. I, there were you know little things that that he was doing with his, his swing that he had a little bit, he created the time to work on that, um, that, you know, this year he, he seems to have not and prioritized family, which again, all power to him, um, and going back, uh, across the world to, to go spend time with them, but know that his game's not where he wants it to be. And then he was mentioning, hoping that, uh, that all of his, his great past history here. Um, I mean, he's, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I know that he's been pretty much in it. Um, you know, almost every time for the last two or three years. Um, but, uh, he's definitely kind of like that Jason day, um, just with a little bit more recent, you know, his, his top finishes have been in the the more recent years as opposed to 10 years ago, where it seems like he's knocking on the door to become next. But, uh, but he, again, he's just hoping that, that this place can really spark it for him. So I thought that that was interesting, um, of, of him to kind of touch on. And again, just a place like this that can, can kind of turn around a season. Um, and he also did mention, I thought it was funny that he brought, um, multiple, uh, outfit changes, uh, one with the live logo on the shirts and one without just in case Augusta taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, we don't want you wearing that. He said, I'll, I'll proudly wear it, but if they ask me not to, then I won't ruffle any feathers. I brought more clothes. Uh, so I thought that that was really funny. Um, but, uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on cam, um, coming into the week or, or at all this year. Um, and, and then I've got one more that I just wanted to briefly touch on from the live perspective, but. Yeah, no, I was going to say that, um, you mentioned that he's always there. He's got, um, three top fives and basically four, four top tens in all six of his masters. He finished, um, 2016, he finished T55, 2018, he finished tied for fifth, 2019, he finished tied for 51st, but then finished second in 2020, 10th in 2021. And then last year he finished third. So he's always a guy that's going to play well at the masters just because of the short game. And so, I actually had a buddy that went out to the um, live event in Orlando and said that he was hitting it not very good, but I mean, he's Camp Smith and his short game is incredible. So he was just getting up and down from everywhere. So I think he'll be an interesting guy to, to see. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just don't know if he's hitting it well enough to, to get it done this week. Yeah, but I, I, I think we'll, that we'll was see. A, um, just another big thing is, is with the live guys and obviously, you know, guys like him and, and uh, DJ and, you know, Brooks uh, winning in Orlando last week and, and finally being healthy. And definitely guys that, you know, have won majors and are, you know, were kind of in every major that that they played in for, for the most part, obviously, besides, you know, not everybody's in every major. But, um, but you know, they were always kind of, once they were in contention, then they were going to, they were going to finish right up near the top, if not winning the whole thing. Um, but, it's just so many question marks um, of not having played as many events. And when they do play events, they're 54 holes without a cut. I mean, I, I was trying to think back, you know, the last time that 
that Cam Smith may have played a 54 or a 72 hole event was probably the tour championship right before he left for live. Um, other guys that left earlier, it may have been at St. Andrews. Um, and I could be misremembering it. I'm just going back based on memory, but that's a long time to not go 72 hole event and then come out and just expect your body and your game to be ready to put four rounds together at, at one of the most prestigious courses in, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And overall, I just hope that, you know, the Masters being the premier event in golf and all the tradition and the respect, I just hope that um, the all the tension around live and PGA Tour does not taint this Masters. And, like, I think there's going to be newsworthy things, um, but I hope that um, no matter what, that the the – players from each tour can kind of coexist and just, you know, compete, um, honorably, but, but yeah, speaking to, you know, the differences of live and, you know, the 54 hole events, no cut. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many different things that go into it. I mean, just simple things like what was the last time these guys played a tournament in pants? Um, granted mm-hmm. it's going to be cold and it's not really going to matter, but it's just simple. Starting, things. starting on um, the first hole. Having <laughs> starting on seven <laughs> yeah <laughs> without a dj yeah, on the first exactly. and, and not not dustin johnson <laughs> yeah it's gonna be quiet out there I'm like what but um but no i think honestly if i i was thinking about it earlier and i was thinking about like if i was one of these players and what it would be like to be in their shoes looking from their perspective like there is so much like talk about live and I would just feel like I would, I was kind of, I would feel like I would be under a microscope. And so I feel like there might be a little added pressure from the guys on live to, you know, prove that they can still play. Um, because there's a lot of guys that are saying, Oh, we went to live. Like he's not practicing. Like kind of like Cam saying, he literally said, like, I haven't been practicing, uh, for good reason being with his family. Um, but you know, that's just kind of speaking to what a lot of guys are arguing about live is, you know, they're just taking their checks and, you know, not playing as much. So I think if I, if I was in their situations, I, I would definitely feel, uh, an added pressure to perform there. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if that makes guys play a little better or worse or if at all. Um, so I think that's just something else that, um, people might not think about is like, you know, they could be, they could be in good form. We don't see them. It's just, yeah. You know, yeah. And I mean, that's Cam did touch on that um, too a little. I thought that he was really great in his, um, his presser um, today um, earlier Monday um, is, you know, he said, you know, we, we definitely want to go out and, and prove, you know, that, that we are definitely, you know, still some of the best in the world. And, um, you know, I, like you said, all, there is a lot of added pressure. Um, and you know, it doesn't help when, you know, the president or commissioner or whatever is Norman is saying, um, well, um, you know, when we have someone in contention on Sunday, then we're going to make sure that every live golfer that's playing in the event is waiting on the, at the back of 18 to celebrate with them to show the live golf team atmosphere. And some, someone brought that up to Cam Smith. He said, well, they must have that conversation without me. He's like, I don't, he's like, he's like, I don't know anything about that, but I mean, you know, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But um, it's, it, so there just seems to be a lot of 
distractions going on for these guys. Um, and you know, just even, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's obviously golf related. And a lot of these guys are going through a lot of stuff, you know, in their life, um, where, um, I saw Bryson did an interview, um, today, uh, after his practice round, um, you know, and he just seemed, um, it was one of his better interviews that he's done. I just thought in a while, he was just very honest. He was very humble. Um, definitely change in his mindset, I think, um, or at least how he's presented himself, um, from over the last few years. Um, he's looks like he's lost some weight, um, you know, just to, to maintain his health a little bit. Um, but he was obviously a guy, uh, he just, he sounded, he, he sounded distracted. Um, he just didn't seem all there. He wasn't fiery. And, um, you know, just speaking on the other life things, I know that he lost his dad late last year and, um, and with all these live distractions that these guys get put on him, and then coming back here to a place where he bombastically was saying that it's a par 68 for him and then went out and shot like 11 under and missed the cut. And he referenced that, but I just, I just seeing him, he just seems so drained. And, and I think that, that a lot of these live guys are actually finding out that, that they went there to be less drained and to kind of recharge their clock a little, but they, they're actually more drained playing less golf because of all the other, the outside stuff that they have to go through. And then, you know, you had something like what Bryson's going through um, from a family perspective that would have happened no matter what tour you're on. It, it's just, it, it, it adds so much to it. And, and just kind of seeing these guys, uh, it's, it's really going to be fascinating. Um, I think overall uh, just to see how, how these guys can perform. If, if all those distractions, all that different, format and and everything kind of nonsense um cam smith did say that on the range it was all hugs and high fives and you know which is good because like you said there there's going to be some things to come out let them come out next week let's just you know all respect augusta and and the masters and just go out there and and compete uh, as best as they can but um yeah i think that it's it's overall it's going to be fascinating just to see the mix of those guys um, back in the same event again for the first time since again, probably St. Andrews. I wish we could have uh, uh, a camera in on that uh, champions dinner and what that's going to be like. It's going to be the first in PGA tour player. <laughs> it's going to uh, be fascinating. It, it would. And you throw in Gary player in the mix anytime. <laughs> <laughs> it's things just sparks are going to fly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I mean, I wish I had a camera on the yeah, champions dinner prior to live as well. Because I mean, that's something I wish everyone wants to be a part of and see. I don't um, even need to bring a camera. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll serve them the bread. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I was about to say, you yeah. should just apply to be a waiter. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I'm sure that they <laughs> would really like my resume uh, of having no experience in the, the food industry. You'd just be like, I really, I, I could serve bread with the best of them, guys. I just want I just want in on that dinner. You could fire me on Wednesday. I don't care. Just let me in on Tuesday night. But yeah, I think um, a lot of, uh, a lot oh, of the other amazing. stuff I know we've, we've touched on. Players uh, haven't touched too much on the big cat. Um, I think just briefly, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome to see him out there. It's awesome to see him whenever he, he tees it up. Um, and I, I think he's going to have just as good of a shot from a, uh, from a kind of hitting the golf ball and, and getting around the course perspective. 
but um, but I do, and I do wonder uh, too. Um, you know, and I was gonna kind of touch a little bit um, on with with the weather there, and, and a guy like him walking walking all the holes there. Um, I, I think could could definitely with the wet conditions could potentially be a little bit tough. Um, you know, with with a, a leg that has been torn apart and rebuilt. And just kind of keeping keeping everything together for for four days at at the highest level. And the other thing too is just touching because I do want to bounce this off you. Um, just you know, with your higher level of experiences, is the way that I would look at it too. Um, you know, let alone the physical aspect for a guy like Tiger. Is I almost think that this feels like it takes away the advantage that he would have had um, from a golf perspective. Just getting a little bit older, not hitting it as far and obviously being physically hobbled, um, his long iron game and his ability to, to hit tough iron shots better than, than most of the world still is amazing. But, you know, with it being really wet and things just, you know, most likely unless they get those sub airs, you know, just, just really pumping this week, which I think is going to be tough with it being so hot on Wednesday and then all the rain coming and, going to be 55 degrees on Saturday morning. So it's, it's going to be a test and it's still going to look perfect, of course. But, but it, it, in my opinion, I would say that that kind of takes away, not the shot, but you know, the, the strong possibility of him really contending this year. Um, you know, it seems like it's, it's just from, again, my perspective that it's going to be kind of, um, you know, a, a ball striker fest where if you can hit it high and get it to stop, you don't have to worry about the slopes as much. You don't have to worry about the bounces on the greens. So, you know, I, I don't know what type of player that may favor. I would just think a guy that can that can keep it in play and, and get it up in the air and get it to stop. Um, but I don't know. I wanted to bounce that off you. Maybe what type of player you think may have a, an advantage with uh, conditions like uh, like the ones that are forecasted. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um... – agree with you that this event is going to be super hard for Tiger because not only is Augusta a hard walk, but if it's soft, that makes that walk even harder because it's like walking, you know, through sand. Um, but I think also if it was warm and sunny, I'd say he'd have no problem because, you know, when he played at Riv earlier this year, his ball speeds were just as high as anybody else. And they might, they kind of like fell that last day, but I think that was because, if I remember correctly, it was a little colder that Sunday and, you know, it's after four days, he's tired. Um, but I think, you know, with the forecast this week, that's going to be a struggle for him. Um, just because, you know, when you have an injury and it's cold out, the blood's not flowing the same and it's not, you know, protecting those muscles and those bones the, the same way. I'm, I'm no way a doctor or no that much, but I definitely, can speak to having injuries and what it's like being in the cold weather. And it just makes it, it's just an added thing. It makes it that much harder and something else you have to think about. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you hit the, the nail on the head right there with, you know, it's a, it's going to be a ball strikers fest, um, which I feel like Augusta is always, even though, you know, you need, you need to be a complete player to, to win at Augusta. The guys that, you know, are hitting it really well are, are usually the ones that are, um, prevailing there because you can only do so much with your short game if you're hitting it in precarious spots around those greens. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the guy that's hit it, that's hitting it high and far <laughs> is going to be hitting it or is going to be playing the best. But 
at the same time, I think it could open up um, room for another player that, you know, like that might not hit it in as many precarious positions, but um, you know, might hit it in a few, few bad spots, but they'll, they'll be able to get up and down from those spots because the greens might be a little softer. Um, I don't I mean, they'll still be fast no matter what, but um, you know, might be a few situations where they're short sided and they can still get it up and down. So I think, I think it's going to bring more players in as a whole. I don't think it's going to necessarily cater to um, one guy. Um, Cause you know, I, as I'm, as I'm kind of th- verbally, pr- verbally processing this, I guess, um, you know, it would make sense for the guy that's hitting it further um, to play better because it's not rolling as far. Um, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's going to come down it, to short game as, as well. You, um, you were saying too, and just to, to jump in at the same time as, you know, a guy that's hitting a nine iron really high and getting it to stop the guy that's hitting a seven iron, it's going to stop a lot quicker than a seven iron would have, you know, if it was dry. So it, I, I, I think that that was a really good way of putting exactly. it. It may not necessarily cater to one player because obviously you're going to have to hit it really, really well to win here, no matter what the conditions are. But I think it brings a ton of people in. Um, you know, maybe like you said, like a dark horse, like, you know, mm-hmm. Min Wu or, you know, just anyone. You pick a name out of a hat and, uh, you know, you, you reference Corey Connors. That guy hits it just as good as anyone. And if, if he can hit it a little bit closer proximity to the yeah. hole this week because of it being a little bit wet, then he doesn't have to worry too much about his short game and his putting. Um, uh, you know, a guy like, like Victor, um, who struggles with his, uh, with his short game a little bit, strikes the heck out of it. Um, if, if you can, it just kind of, I think it brings so many people in. That was a really good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, I, I wanted to uh, to also touch a little um, as well. I'm sure we'll wrap up here soon. Um, just on the uh, the changes, uh, the course, the main one being uh, being hole 13. Um, they uh, moved that tee box back 35 yards, um, tee same width and length, and it's eight feet higher um, in elevation. Um, which 35 yards back, eight feet higher. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, it's certainly going to make a difference, especially with a, um, with a hole as unique as, uh, as that one there, um, you know, with, with having to bend it from, uh, from right to left when it was before this renovation, before this change, um, you know, if you really wanted to hit a good drive, then you had to, you had to work it right to left off the tee just to, to move along with, with that slope and the shape of the hole. And if you bail out right, then you're in the pine straw and probably have to lay up unless you got kind of the Phil Mickelson angle there. Um, but did listen to a lot of guys coming off the practice round. Um, I was a little bit surprised. A lot of them just said that, you know, it obviously plays a lot different. Um, they said the tee shots for the right-handed golfers, they, they said the tee shots a lot easier um, because you can just hit a straight ball and you're probably not going to go in that pine straw. Um, you're going to just be at the end and let the slope kind of kick it 10, 15 yards left, um, closer to the hole. Um, but I also thought it was really interesting. A lot of guys said that they'll probably just lay up all four days. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, I still think that it's, I, I think that a big part of it they were talking about was they didn't want to hit anything more than like a five iron into that green. Um, you know, just with, with what's around the green and race Creek and everything. So, I mean, you know, obviously if they were hitting a five iron before the tee got moved back and then they're hitting a, a 
three iron or a hybrid or something in, then that's going to make it a lot more difficult, but still very reachable. And, and I think it's interesting just hearing guys kind of, kind of already say that that's kind of their game plan. Um, where I think that you get a wind off the right or downwind off the tee. And, you know, even if you can shape it five to eight yards right to left, then you're still going to have a mid iron in. Um, so I just thought it was fascinating. Um, I think it's going to be um, really, really interesting to see how that plays through all four days, especially with being potentially soaking wet. Um, I think a guy that that could favor is a guy that I don't know how he didn't talk about and how easy we forget, but a guy like John Rahm, where he kind of plays that power cut uh, off the tee there, and he can just not have to worry about trying mm-hmm. to work it right to left, where before he would have to do that, whether it was with a three-wood or a driver, to, to hit that fairway. Um, so I, I think that it uh, it certainly is just going to be an interesting interesting hole, but uh, I didn't know kind of your your thoughts on on the uh, the changes there. Yeah, I think it's interesting you said that because I haven't I haven't heard any news. I just saw um, a picture of what the um, the new hole looked like, and just kind of you know just taking my own perspective and. Um, thoughts that I have from watching that hole on TV and um, never hitting it. I was expecting it to be way harder um, because I was just thinking that, you know, it was more in a shoot, kind of like 18. So I was thinking that, you know, you'd have to hit, still hit the draw, but, you know, keep it straight for 150 yards and have a late draw or something like that. I thought it was going to be a lot harder, but I think, I think, you know, thinking about it now, I think it's, it's kind of interesting and I feel like it, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm interested to see how it pans out because that is such a dramatic hole on Sunday. Um, because before, like if you hit that, that tee shot was such a pivotal, pivotal shot, because if you hit it in the fairway, then you have a legitimate chance at Eagle and you still got to pull off the second shot. But I feel like kind of what they're saying now is, it's just kind of like, you know, before those before those those trees it's pretty wide out there i don't want it to turn into kind of a blah hole where guys just hit it straight out in the fairway lay up hit on the green maybe make a birdie um that was you know part of a main corner and one of the pivotal holes and uh, yeah yeah i'm just interested to see how that that plays yeah, out yeah I, I agree because i mean didn't i think, think about that perspective um, it just with how exciting um it it has played in the past before the changes um, I, I think it's my favorite hole on the course, um, just from a, what it, what it can lead to and just the, the actual kind of short par five where you can take, take a risk off the tee and take a risk on the second shot and walk out with a three. So I'm, again, I'm interested, like you said, to, to see how it plays out. I, I, I hesitate to put too much stock into how it plays this year. If it's going to be, if it's going to be raining every day and 55 degrees on Saturday, I, I, I think that we, you know, that everyone should temper their expectations or reactions to what it is. Because I mean, honestly, like, like you said, I mean, if, if it's, if it's 55 degrees and raining at Augusta, then depending on the wind direction, it could be a four shot hole even before they move the tee back. Um, just from, from what you're going to have to be asked to do. Three shot, excuse me. Four yeah. Shot. But, uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I just get confused because I was saying three shot um, layup all four days, um, but I had all my numbers thrown thrown away. But uh, but yeah, I, I it's, it's my uh, it's my favorite hole out there. Um, 
so I'm, I'm excited to see, see what it changes. Uh, I guess, um, as we kind of wrap this up, since I just told me, told you, um, uh, my favorite hole, uh, what your favorite hole is at Augusta. And, and then I can kind of, uh, kind of wrap us up here, um, with our master's preview, unless you can think of anything else. Yeah, I think, um, I don't want to be cliche and say 12. Still, um, yeah. I feel like I want to say that's my favorite hole just because there's just so many things that go into it and it's the most famous hole at Augusta. But I think one of the holes that I feel, I'll say this, the hole that I think is most underrated, I mean, there's no hole that's underrated um, at Augusta, but the hole that I really enjoy seeing that like, you know, I just really enjoy seeing is 16 mm-hmm. uh, just because the number of hole in ones and how crazy that green is. And then also my first time at the masters seeing all those guys um, skip balls across the water uh, in the practice round was just really cool. And it's kind of nostalgic for me. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's either, I mean, shoot, there's four holes. I could say 12 and 13 or 15 and 16. I mean, those, those, there's a reason they they've got cameras and live streams on those holes on masters.com. Um, just because they're so exciting and dramatic. Um, I think if, if 13 turns into a black hole, then it, it's out of the race for favorite hole for me. Um, but before it definitely was one of them just because absolutely. You know, yeah. The well, drama um, is so cool. I'm definitely excited as uh, I mean, anytime that you get the, the live from shows uh, two times a day, um, it's, it's hard to get through work that week. Um, so, so I'm going to be keeping my nose on the grindstone and, and, and trying to, uh, trying to focus down, um, with, uh, with masters week here, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, but, uh, but definitely, definitely looking forward to it as always. Um, you know, get, get your pimento cheese, your, your egg salad, whichever one, whatever team you're on, on, on that end, get your sweet tea and, and your, uh, your, your, your peach, peach cobbler, whatever the heck you want, peach related, and uh, and just get ready to enjoy because even when the weather's going to be iffy, I mean, the place is going to look immaculate, even if it's cloudy and rainy. So it's it's going to be incredible, and I just think that we're in for we're in for a really historically pivotal Masters um, with everything that's going on in in the golf world, um, where where the golf world is as a whole. So I, I think it's going to be a, a super super enjoyable watch. Um, but but yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to watching um, watching the the coverage this week and and even the, the pre coverage just just gets uh, gets me super super excited um, uh, about the Masters and about Augusta and about golf season in general. So hopefully this uh, this this podcast uh, Masters preview here adds a little bit to uh, to everyone's excitement for the week. Uh, definitely added to mine just even uh, on a Monday, just being able to talk through it with you here, buddy. But uh, that's all I had. And uh, I hope that uh, everyone really enjoys the masters. And uh, if you want to, uh, you want to sign us off with anything and uh, feel free and go for it. Best week of the year, buddy. Um, Glad to be here with you, talking with you. And uh, yeah, just thank you all for listening. I'm Austin Squires here with my good buddy and co-host, Paul Clancy. We'll see you next time. Here at the U.S. Amateur, talk a little bit about having uh, Paul Clancy on the bag, what it's meant to you in getting you to um, be yourself on the golf course. Oh, he gets it on the green. 
landed on the green. That is some speed. Take that. And Austin Squires, the 64 seed, a two-up win. What? That should count as two sand saves.